He is risen indeed. We can start a little thing going here, Doc. Uh, excited about it. We're, we're just kind of convicted and convinced that Easter should change everything. And so I want to um, close this service in just a few minutes, just kind of reading some scripture and thinking about the convicting, confident work of Christ when when we as a body of Christ are just consumed with Him. And so um, I'm just praying that there's a God confidence that will flow out of here, that as we walk out today, there will just be a group of people who are recognizing that He exploded the grave, and that if, if not if, that is true, and because He went to the cross, to the grave, exploded the grave, resurrected from the dead, and oh, by the way, that's good news, right? I mean, praise God for that. But not only that, he has raised us from the dead. And we are, as a body of believers, living in a confident life because we are hidden with Christ in God. And so I just, I want, I just am praying that as Easter people, that just, that just deepens our heart and it changes things. And we, as we talked about last week, um, that, that really, I think Easter should be a little more next Sunday than your great outfit, although feel free to wear it. You know, I don't want to mess with your dress too much, but it should be a little more than that, a little more than where you're eating next weekend, a little more than how much chocolate you get or what the Easter rabbit left you. I'm just, I'm really thinking that there is something explosive that happens among the body of Christ at Easter where it just literally changes everything. I mean, we start to realize some powerful things. Um, I just, I, I wrote down, or I didn't write down, I just, I've had these incredible conversations this week, and then I want to read scripture, um, think about it for a moment, and say, let's go into this week just convicted, confident, just passionate. I'll save our focus for a few weeks from now, which was on the agenda for today, but we'll, we'll hold on to that one. Just confident and convicted that Easter changes everything. Um, I'm, I'm convicted uh, when I hear stories. Um, we, we had the chance to go in... And, and just hear this gospel story as it's, as it's just shared by Christ. Um, I, I went to a, a Central Asia and just leaning into God and saying, God, what are you doing as, as the resurrected Savior to draw men and women to yourself? How does your gospel draw us to go to all nations for the sake of your glory? What are you doing in the middle of this fellowship to draw out of us this humble, passionate heart that you're at work in this world and could you possibly use us? How do we, as a group of people, have utter confidence and sheer conviction because we're consumed with the cross of Jesus Christ? And I was, I was standing in a, in a country where the name of Jesus is rarely, if ever, spoken and, and I went off to this dialogue that had begun and with, I was with one of the missionaries in that country and we began to speak about this person without speaking the name of Jesus and we began to talk about this person and I love that God is at work in this world and he longs to imbue within us a confidence of his work because we often go on trips or we will walk out of here tomorrow and go into our work environment and we'll look at the penance that we have and think, I wonder what we can do with this. And God instead is looking at the penance we have and saying, let me show you what I'm doing and will you just bring me that? That's the confidence that we have. And I'm standing in this, in this, um, 
100% Muslim country in this dialogue that I can't do justice to, so I'm admitting that now. And I'm having this dialogue with this man who begins to share with him the story of Jesus and who he means. And this other guy who's Muslim's eyes, he's Muslim and his eyes light up. And he begins to say, I've been having dreams about this person. Tell me more. And we started sharing more and using the Evangicube, just sharing the story of the living God. And he starts to tell us the story. And he starts to tell us who he is. And then we get to this point where, where we're sharing the Easter story, if you will, this confidence story, this passion of the cross story. And we're just reaching the point where we're talking to a person who believes that his joy of heaven is the amount of his works. And we start to share with him the grace message of the cross. And when these words came out of our mouth, when he said in Uzbek language, it is finished. This guy started leaping and he said, I was spoken this in a dream. And I was just so, it is finished. And and then there's no bow on the end of this story because typically in these dialogues, it's about a seven year journey to walk into Jesus. But he is looking at him and saying, this living God you speak of, he is coming to me. He is coming after me. And I am confident about that. And I'm just praying as Easter people that we will develop a confidence that God is at work and we join him. And just so you don't believe that you have to travel, you know, way too many hours on the plane to get to that. I didn't ask permission, so I won't use her name. But I had this incredible dialogue with a friend this week who just happens to be pretty passionate about a ministry in our town that reaches people who are internationals. And so she's in a dialogue this week. If I can't find her, if I catch her eye, she'll say, if I, can I tell who you are? Okay, so Penny's telling me this story, and it's an amazing story. And, and I love this because she's in a dialogue with a friend, and they're reading and practicing English together. And the dialogue just goes like this, and and, and it just goes, um, where, who is Jesus? And Penny says to her, have you ever heard the name Jesus? And she lives, okay, she lives in Jacksonville, Florida. I know that we're not quite the Bible Belt anymore, but we still are at least somewhat the deep south, right? And we are in America, and she's in America and has never heard the name Jesus. So I, lo- I, lo- I love this. So you don't, you don't have to jump on a plane, oh, ye confident Easter-changed people. We're, we should be sitting in this room right now saying, God, how do I join you in your work? Because here's what I'm confident about, and I'm convicted in this, that you are at work around me. And there are people who walk and live beside me who don't know, not, 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 don't hear me. They don't not know that Jesus is Messiah. They don't not know that Jesus is historical. They don't not know that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. They don't know the name Jesus yet. And the operative word that leans in to a convicted, confident people is, I mean, here's what I'm thinking right now. If I'm a part of this church, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? They live in Jacksonville. What are we supposed to do? How do we get our lives into the middle of this story? I'm just going to keep telling stories and read scripture. I'm sitting with the greatest group of men that you could ever ask for, the deacons of Mandarin, and they're having this dialogue Thursday night about friends that they're sharing with and they're bridging gaps with them because here's what Easter does for us. Here's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ does for us. We are a group of people who know with confidence that we're hidden with Christ in God. And when that's happening, we're in these in 
incredible dialogues with men and women that we love that don't yet know Christ, many of whom are agnostic or atheist. I was just sitting in that room, and Brad, I was literally thinking about halfway through, if our deacons are a snapshot of our church, praise God for this church. Because they're just, I mean, they are like mixing it up in the heart of their workplace, just saying, how do we engage and have conversations? And there's like literally going around a circle going, look, this is the, I mean, it's not like generic, like we do, you know, bless God, let's pray for the lost. No, no. They are friendships and names and sacrifice going on. And I'm just sitting going, God, I have to, I'm just looking out at all the faces that I love in this room and just feeling like, God. I am confident and convicted that you want to move in spirit and in power. Here's why. Because I mean, I'm reading Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and, and I just want to share about confidence for a couple of minutes and conviction out of these verses. And um, I really want today to be primarily just saturated in Scripture. We've done that already. Can we just think for a moment? Therefore, you were here last weekend. If you weren't, we just kind of said, always when you see therefore, you back up. Um, read Hebrews 11 and have your mind boggled for the sake of Christ. If you want to read of a group of people who are confident and convicted, just read Hebrews 11 and just be boggled. We, um, we said in our staff meeting and we, I just, I just said, look, here's, here's what I want to do. Um, I want to just, and we did this in our Bible study on Wednesday night. I want to just read for a while and anytime you have a thought, just hit pause. And so 17 hours later, we've kind of read Hebrews 11 together and just stopped and, what we basically said as a staff is this. We're pretty confident that we don't look like this. But we're pretty confident that we want to. I mean, we're pretty confident that that um, women in this scripture were receiving back their dead, raised to life again. We're pretty confident that kingdoms were conquered, justice administered. There was promise gained. I love this one. I mean, that guy's like Daniel shut the mouths of lions. We we ran with that for a while. The fury of the of the fire was quenched. The sword was escaped. Women received back dead. But that's not the whole story because all that's good. But others were tortured. Others refused to be released. Listen, listen. They refused to step away out of conviction because there is a much better resurrection at hand. And I'm praying for that conviction in this room. That God will bear out a confidence and conviction among us that we will say, Holy Father, we will sacrifice and lay down for a moment some fleeting pleasure so that we can gain a far better resurrection. Something far, far more eternal And so, holy God, can we fit in here? Some of them, because of that, they faced jeers. Some of them were flogged. Some of them were in chains. Some of them in prison. Some of them were put to death by by stoning. Some of them were sawn in two. Welcome to the New Testament. I'm having this dialogue with my nine-year-old this week, and we're reading this together. And Julia looks at me and she says, Dad, what is that? And I said, this is not something old, sweetheart. We're driving to school and she says, what do you mean? I said, look, in other nations right now, people will come to know Christ and they will literally be flogged. 
I, I had one pass right away. Well, have their lips sewn together and their eyes sewn shut and they will consider it joy for the sake of the gospel. Because there is a conviction among the body of believers that there is far more than this temporal kingdom. There is eternal rest in Christ and that bears confidence and that bolds them with conviction. It emboldens the heart. And we're, we're just reading this and my nine-year-old's going, Dad, seriously? I said, baby, seriously? And I am praying that we as a family would stand in the middle of this and be jeered or flogged or if need be, you would stand and watch Dad sawn in two for the sake of the gospel. They were, they, they were in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, persecuted and mistreated. And I love this sentence. I love this sentence. Could we pray this for our church? Could we pray that the world would not be worthy of us? Because we don't find the world worthy. We find the Son of God, the King of glory, to be for all of our worth. And our confidence is planted there. And our conviction is seared there. And we cannot be moved. And if that means that we wander in deserts for a little while, and that we find our lives in caves, or as Scripture, I'm just reading Scripture right now, I'm just kind of looking at you and saying it, if we find that we're tossed in a hole in the ground, we're all right. Because we're in the midst of that with Christ. They're committed for their faith. Some of them didn't get what they were promised. There was something better. And this is what they wanted to be about. Something so much better. Therefore, since we're surrounded by that cloud of witnesses, let us, as a body of believers right now, throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Everything that hinders us from the gospel, that would be a great move for the week of Easter. It's for us to simply come to the Lord and, and come in next Friday night after spending an entire week at the cross saying, Holy Father, examine me. I do not want to bring a confidence to the table that is in anything but you. And so, Father God, look into my life. I am entangled right now and disentangle me for the sake of your gospel and move me forward for who you are because here's what I want to do I want to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us and if it's going to be marked out for us it looks a little like this our eyes are fixed on Jesus he is the pioneer and he is the perfecter of my faith and so if the joy that was set before him was to endure the cross I'm after that as well I am giving chase to that as well and I just, I just believe, and, and uh, I, I don't have a super bow tie on right now because I'm totally shifting gears, and so here we're, we're just rolling scripture right now. But I, I love this account where, where we just simply come and say, Holy God, if we could have this God confidence, then we would live with sheer conviction for your name. And that's, that's what I'm praying for us. I'm praying. I just keep, I keep looking to the kingdom of God and what, what he's about. And, and I love the, I love the kingdom of God. And I just want to, I want to close with scripture. Can I do that? I, I just love the kingdom of God because he doesn't invite us at Easter through the cross to come to him with what you have. Just, let me say it more clearly. We're not invited to have this great self-confidence of, I've got something going for the kingdom. To have a God confidence is to come with trembling hands. I mean, I, I just love, I can't, I can't stop coming back to this beautiful child who literally brought their little lunch sack 
to the Lord, you know? Don't you love that? This is not about what you bring to the table. This, this movement of God, this Easter passion, this confidence and Christ-consumed, cross-convicted zeal is not about what you bring as an offering before the Lord. This is, this is, this is about you saying, look, look, I don't have much of anything. But here's what I seem to be seeing, Lord. You are everything. And so I just want to simply hold up my little lunch to you. And I would not mind if you would take my lunch. And if you could, Lord, I think you can. There's about 20 to 30,000 people sitting in here. I know they only count the men, but that's just wrong. And so there's a lot of people. There's a lot of kids running around. They're so hungry, God. They've been feasting on your meal. And I've got a Hello Kitty lunch set. It's all I got. I just want to be like a child, you know? I just want to be confident, not in what I bring to the table. I want to, I want to be able, like Gideon, to say, look, we've got too many people. There's too many of us right now. Let's whittle this crowd down. Which reminds me of Francis Chan saying, if Jesus had a church in my city, his church would be smaller than mine. Let's whittle this down. Let's get to the hardcore. Because what I think that we're going to do, this 30,000 number, it's too big. But God, if you could get about 300 of, uh, 300 of us who are just holding holy hands before you, and we're literally desperate for you. And here's what we know, God. We know we've got nothing. But what we do know, we do know, is that you are everything. And our confidence is in you. You know what you're grafted into? I love, I love Abraham and Sarah. The scripture is so fun. I just, I want to read like two scriptures and then we're closing it right now. So here's the massive closing. Are you ready for it? So I know some of you were going seriously. The pastor just stood up at 25 tail. Are you kidding me? Happens a lot around here. We get excited in church, you know? And so I, I love this. I love this first because don't you picture like this idea of Christ consumed conviction, passion and cross cross-consumed to just confidence that, God, I don't have much. I'm just kind of, I'm all God's hello kitty. God, I am just, I am just standing, I'm sitting with Sarah. We, we are old. I, I want to get the verse. Hebrews eleven twelve. It's such a fun verse when you start reading Hebrews 11. It just says this, and so from one man, and I like this description. This is so much fun. And he, who is as good as dead. <laughs> I didn't lead up to that, so you couldn't get tickled. But as you read this, like, you know, they're writing like the heroes of the faith. And so from one man, and oh, by the way, this one man is as good as dead. In other words, he has not got a lot of confidence that he is going to produce a slew of children in this moment. And yet he and Sarah are sitting outside looking at the stars, and they're wondering, God, we don't know. We just know you. And we know what you've promised. And so God, this movement that you're going to spark, would you just spark this through our confidence in you? And if you know the story, their confidence wavered at moments. They even laughed in manners where we fail to believe you. And yet, they still went outside with their lawn chairs, sat on them every night, looked up at the stars and said, God, we believe you. God, we faith in this. God, we're confident in you. God, we are as good as dead. And yet, here's what you want to do. And I, I love this. If you want to read with me, um, this is this is what happens when cross-consumed, Christ-impassioned conviction and confidence bursts out of people. When you just bring your little, small basket to God and say, can you possibly through me do something so magnificent that no one could actually think that I did it and nobody will actually know my name. I'll just be known as some kid that had a Hello Kitty 
One sec. Would you do that with me, God? In, 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 in Romans, the fourth chapter, um, this is what happened with Sarah and Isaac or Abraham as they, as they sat outside in Romans 4, chapter 8. I just want to close with um, tons of Scripture. I'm just going to read verses 18 to the end, actually, of Romans chapter 4. Listen to this, listen to this. Against all hope. I love these verses. And I'm just to invite you to go read them yourself throughout this week. Chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offering be, offspring be. Without weakening in his face, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Don't you like the consistency of Scripture? He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also most likely dead. Yet he did not waver. That's conviction through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. That is a hallelujah moment. Father, I am as good as dad. My wife, her womb is as good as dad. There is no way we can pull this off, but we are fully persuaded that you can. Hallelujah. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone. Listen, listen. It was not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. And you want it, and this is where I would perk up and say, please explain. And thankfully he does. If you want to walk in this same manner and be credited with righteousness, it is for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. You're wondering, how do, what do we do at this Easter? I don't know. I think we gather up this little treasure in a jar of clay, this little broken vessel, and simply say, we're giving you our lives, ourselves, our passion, God. We believe in you. We believe in what you want to do. He who is delivered over to death for our sins and was raised for our justification. And then you flip over to, to Romans 11. It says, and so because of this, you and I, and this, this is one of my favorite verses, you and I, have been grafted into the story of Abram and Sarah as wild olive shoots for the sake of the gospel. There's a restaurant in Crestview named the Wild Olive because of this one little verse. Because this verse says this. Look, look, don't you like this? And, and this was the point. This was the point. You are grafted in, read it in Hebrews 11. You are grafted in as a wild olive shoot to live before God's chosen people, first and foremost, to demonstrate for them that His glory and His grace are abounding. In other words, there are some people sitting in this room right now that need some wild olive shoots that are grafted into the story of God because they become dormant in their faith or much like the Jewish people, the chosen people of God's day, they have wandered around and made their confidence about themselves. And He looks at them and says, you've been grafted into the Abram Sarah story to demonstrate for those who are in the story that they're missing the story, that the story is about the grace of God. The story is about the banner of God. The story is about the glory of God. The story is not about you. The only part you have is a small Hello Kitty lunch sack. The rest of it, it's God's story. So, oh, you bunch of little wild olive shoots. Oh, 
I love that name. Oh, you bunch of wild olive shoots. What does God want to do with a slew of us in this room who by His grace and mercy were grafted into the Easter story? Knowing that, believing that, will draw a conviction and confidence that, oh my goodness, I don't think that we can fathom what God would do among a group of people who believed Him for who He is and gave Him who we are and watched those two collide. Happy Easter. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, I love You. I would just pray that as a result of Easter in this city and to the nations that people who haven't heard Your name yet will. God, I pray that because churches that worship Jesus Christ gather throughout this nation and throughout the world, there will be an explosion of the gospel. God, I pray that the cross of Jesus Christ will stand tall in our lives. God, I pray for an ultimate, consummate shattering of self-confidence in this room. God, I pray you would take and bend us and break us of what we believe that we bring to the table and remold us into a people who believe you. God, I pray that you would, you would raise up a group of people who are persuaded of your ability, who are confident and convicted of your power, who believe that we don't have much, but we know the one who does. God, I pray for a humility to just saturate this congregation. I pray for a contriteness to just overwhelm us. I pray for a brokenness to be what we're known for. And I pray for the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ to stand tall among us. We love you, Jesus Christ. We praise you and we worship you. And we come to you with empty hands quivering before you and holding out to you, hoping, pleading. It's in Jesus' name that we worship and we sing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We always, at the end of a service here, want to give you a chance to respond to God. And, and honestly, um, some of the greatest responses to God aren't the moments when people come and talk to Dan or Ryan or myself. Some of the greatest responses happen right where you're standing or some people make a, a beeline to this altar just to lay things out before God. But I would say the greatest response that could happen as we sing and as you ponder throughout the week is this. I'm wondering what you're believing in. I mean, if you're coming into this faith thing with this whole idea that you have a lot to offer, I would say that your faith is extraordinarily weak. And I would just invite you to be broken before the Lord. And I don't know what that means, just to simply humble yourself before Him and to invite Him to do whatever He wants to do. And so as we sing, would you do that? Just... He, this is what he loves. And, and you don't even have to know what you're doing. That's what's so beautiful. It's just, he just loves a humble and contrite heart. And people who are just saying, look, God, I don't, I don't want to believe in me. I want to believe you. Help me. And here's what, he, he's really good at that. Some of you are here and sitting in this room and God has called you to move your life in, into the heart and mission of this church. And so there's Dr. Dan's going to be here. Ryan's going to be here. They're coming right now. We're going to strike a chord in about 15 seconds, and it's time for you to come. And just say, look, this is, this is where I want to be at home. This is home for me. Some of you have come to know Christ in the last days or weeks, and you just want to share that with the church. Um, this is a great place, a great time to do that. However God has called you to respond, I invite you to do that as we sing of his great name. Would you stand with me? Can we worship together?